Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the show. Our good news story this week is a little bit different. I typically highlight an organization doing good work. This week, I want to talk about Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree is a professional mixed martial artist. He fights for the UFC. And at the time this episode comes out, Khalil will be two weeks removed from a victory he had on a UFC fight night card on March 12th. After that fight in both the in-ring post-fight interview and then later in the post-fight press conference, Khalil really jumped into some emotional intense, and important topics. In the ring, Khalil got emotional talking about his journey, how he started training in mixed martial arts to lose weight. He wasn't feeling good about himself physically, emotionally. He started addressing some things about mental health health, and giving a very positive message to other people who may be struggling in that way, to may, who may be feeling some of the things that he had felt. And he reiterates the importance of discussing those issues in the post-fight press conference. That's another great speech he kind of gives. He talks a little bit about the fight and then gets into the fact that we're often asking the wrong questions. And I'm not just talking about in media, but in life, I agree with that. We're often looking at very superficial things. We're not necessarily digging deeper. And Khalil Roundtree kind of makes that point where he's talking about that we're not asking the right questions. And he gets very emotional, again, kind of intense in the the post-fight press conference. And... He curses quite a bit for anybody who wants to check out the video, just a heads up. But he really dives into that message of like, there are other people struggling, feeling the way that I felt. And we need to be looking at people. We need to be looking at people holistically. So I just appreciate that. I appreciate any time an athlete, a person who has some sort of public voice uses that voice to discuss important issues and uses that voice to empower other people. And that's really something I took away from Khalil's message. The other thing that kind of drew me me to the story was I I love martial arts, I love athletics, I've been involved as an athlete and as a coach pretty much my whole life, since I was five years old, pretty, pretty much continuously since then, I have been an athlete and a coach, highly involved with athletics, specifically martial arts are very important to me, and because of that, I've developed a lot of relationships with people who are, especially men, 
who are tough, who are tough in many different ways, physically, mentally, emotionally. I know some people who are savages, who are good fighters, who are very tough, but I find a lot of those people, the people who are my friends in those areas, often have a gentle side. I think some of that is able to come out if you train in combat sports, if you train. Same thing happened when I played football through high school and college and you're doing something very physical. There's almost the camaraderie that forms in your group allows for some emotional openness. And I think a lot of those a lot of people who do push themselves that way physically, mentally develop some of the strength and courage that it does take to talk about things like mental health and to be able to empower others and to let go of some of the ego that often often interferes with maybe who we want to be, the things we want to do. So I connected with that as well, that I know a lot of people who, as some people might think of if they see Khalil Roundtree, is this impressive-looking, imposing, physically-looking individual, but who is very well-spoken and is willing to talk about these things and wants to highlight things like mental health and people's struggles. And that's a very important thing, and it's very important to get those messages out by by utilizing the voices that we have and it's beneficial when someone like a Khalil Roundtree who undercuts what we think of as sort of the toxic masculinity of this just especially someone who's an elite fighter it's very easy to look at the brutality the physicality of that endeavor and not look at the emotional side of it and not look at the power that it has to help people and lift people up. If you get a chance, check out that post-fight interview, the post-fight press conference. A lot of really good stuff there. So I just wanted to use the good news segment this week to, to highlight a good news story, to highlight something that Lisa's kind of in... My realm of the news, just watching athletics and watching fights and things like that. And I thought that was a very cool thing. So shout out to Khalil Roundtree. This is Family Time 101. We are in the triple digits. Kind of crazy. We will be probably always, this will probably just be in the triple digits until we don't do the family time anymore it'll be kind of interesting to see i thought it was kind of fun to hit that landmark of having done 100 of these family time social emotional learning videos units having had 100 of these formal discussions with my students and all of my classes and then i was was thinking about that like 
hitting the four-digit mark, meaning a thousand family times, and I was like, wow, okay, I, I do the family time curriculum with the school year. So we usually, the last couple of years, we've gotten, I think, 36 in. School year's about 40 weeks with the students, and we don't always do it if it's a short week for a spring break or winter break, those sorts of things. And if we keep the pace of 36 a year, I think we're about 25 years away from hitting 1,000. I don't know if it'll go that far, but who knows? Maybe that will be the goal. <laughs> Maybe if I do 1,000 of these by the end, I'll get better at them. Who knows? So... That's kind of thought that was interesting. We're in the triple digits, so we're going to be in the triple digits for a long, long time. But this is Family Time 101, and we're talking about social situations. For our social-emotional learning competencies, we're back to relationship skills. And relationship skills are difficult. It's something that we talk about in class all the time, and my students tend to realize that our social interactions have changed. Have changed a lot really over the last last couple generations, but even the last generation, it's changed a lot with social media, with our constant connectedness. And I am not a person who's against social media, who's against cell phones, who's against the connectedness. That's the world we live in now. And I think it's so important to address how we still maintain relationships, how we still develop social skills in our contemporary environment, in an environment that has changed a lot in a short amount of time and will continue to change very rapidly. So we're talking about relationship skills and the first thing we're going to discuss in class, I'm going to ask my students to identify social situations they find challenging. And a lot of my students have brought this up, especially because we're able to so readily communicate via digital means, which can be a very good thing. I like being able to connect with friends that live great distances from me. I like being able to communicate with people on Zoom. I like being able to shoot somebody a text. I like all of those things. I even like the connectedness of a lot of the social media applications. Those things are great if we're controlling them and they're not controlling us. But because we spend so much of our time in those digital arenas with our communication, a lot of my students have brought up struggles they have with face-to-face -face social, social situations, with things like social anxiety. That's something that warrants addressing. Part of it is, is growing up and finding our place and finding our groups and a part of growing up is feeling awkward sometimes and 
trying to figure out where we belong and where we feel empowered and those sorts of things. But because of that, it is something that we should be addressing, we should be teaching, we should be talking about. And that starts with a conversation of what are social situations that make us feel uncomfortable. I think when I was younger, when I was in high school and maybe to a lesser extent in college, but at times in college even, and I'm talking up through that time, certainly in elementary and middle school as well, I did feel some of those social pressures to fit in, to act a certain way that I felt would be well-received, to behave in a way that I felt would be palatable to the largest group of people, which sort of like a utilitarian approach to my own personality that like trying to, trying to be funny in a certain situation or trying to go with the crowd in some ways. I, I think from an outside observer, even when I was young, I, I kind of walked my own path. I would try to do my own thing. But there was always kind of the undercurrent of how is this going to be perceived by other people? I, I liked to push boundaries. There is a part of me that always wanted to go sort of against the norm and not go with what was popular. But I still always had and to an extent have that desire to be accepted. We all have that need for a sense of belonging. But what I found sometimes was I was maybe, even in just small ways, not reflecting how I truly felt or maybe what I truly believed about something because I was trying to go with the flow. I was trying to trying to manage this the social aspect of life and that can be really hard especially when we're young and we're trying to find our group and i don't know that i don't i don't think it ever really truly 100% goes away there are still times where i feel like i don't fit in with certain social situations I have gotten more comfortable in just not fitting in with some social situations. I've gotten much more comfortable as an adult just sort of being myself, dressing how I want to dress, acting how I want to act, liking the things that I like regardless of anyone else's opinion about those things. But I still have times where I just feel awkward in social situations. A lot of it is because many adult, for lack of a better term, adult conversations are stuff that I don't find very interesting. I've talked about this before, but a lot of times you get together a bunch of adults and it turns into a, just a complaining session. 
people complaining about their jobs, complaining about everything from gas prices to politics to whatever, and I just don't have a lot of interest in those things. I, I gen- generally don't really even believe in complaining because I, be- I think complaining doesn't fix anything. It doesn't solve anything in our lives. It's okay to vent sometimes. It's okay to let out some frustration in a way if it's healthy. But a lot of times we just stack on these negative feelings and we don't, we're not really looking for solutions. We kind of just want to hang on to the emotion that we, that we have and, and we want to almost share our misery and get a connection that way. And that often becomes a lot of adult interaction. And I just don't really get it. I don't really buy into it. And as a choice, I don't want to waste my life on those things. So I still have those awkward social situations. Sometimes I'll get together with a group of peers and people want to vent about their job and vent about whatever. And that's okay. I I don't want to I don't want to be negative towards someone else, but a lot of times I kind of just excuse myself from those discussions. Try not to be rude, but I don't enjoy the interaction. I don't feel like participating in those sorts of things. <clears throat> the other things with that is if I'm going to be socially engaged, I prefer to do an activity and I like physical activities. I like working out. I like going on adventures. I like doing those sorts of things. And that's, that's not always, you get to be a little bit older and not everybody, not a lot of peers are always going to do those sorts of things. So I still have times where like socially, I'm kind of like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like I fit in here. And it's been a long process trying to come to grips with that and be okay with that and just be okay with, and sort of embracing that like, Okay, I maybe am an oddball in some of these things, but that's what makes me who I am. And the people with whom I am close, my my family and my friends who I really care about and who I know really care about me, they like me because of who I am. And it took me a long time to realize that the people I am most drawn to tend to be the people who are unabashedly themselves who are just true to to who they are and what they believe that are originals and I kind of realize like I'm drawn to that I think other people are drawn to that too so I can be myself and that can be interesting and that can be enough and I feel like that has given me a leg up in a lot of social situations That being said, the other thing I want my students to consider this week are what are some things that help you feel comfortable in social situations? And if you really struggle with social anxiety, maybe you haven't found anything yet that helps you feel more comfortable in a social situation. But that's why we want to start talking about it. I want to give you some things. I want to help you find some things. That'll help you feel more comfortable in your social interactions. And 
it could be a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just finding the right group of people to connect with. Sometimes it's, I, I remember, and I still do this a little bit. I feel like in a social situation, especially a new social situation, if I'm interacting with a bunch of peop people I don't know really well, <clears throat> I like to be kind of a, a conversation filler, especially when I was like in high school and college. I like to hang around some people who are good conversation starters, who could get the ball rolling with anyone. And then I felt I was pretty good at jumping in, throwing in a quip here, telling a story. But I feel socially, I am much better once I get to know someone. I feel that way even as a teacher that I'm much better once I have worked with someone for a long period of time, once we've established a relationship. And that just takes time. So something that helps me is realizing that like, oh, this is a bit of a process, that it takes time, that it's going to maybe... I've often... I've spoken at different things, and there's sometimes I struggle with that a little bit, not just with the nerves of like speaking to a new group of people, but kind of like, well, how do, I, how do I try to button down everything that I want to say into this short thing? I feel like I'm much better in the long term. So I kind of have to come to grips with that a little bit. They're like, okay, well, I'm just going to be true to my message, be true to what I do, and kind of keep plugging along, and hopefully it continues to connect and build and those sorts of things. So... There's a lot of other things we could talk about. We're going to have that discussion this week. But I want all of you thinking about social situations. And when do you feel uncomfortable? What are things that help you feel comfortable? Because we still, human beings, we are social creatures. That is why we gravitate to things like social media. That's why we belong to teams and groups and organizations. We need a sense of belonging, a sense of connection. We fill it in different ways, and some of us have different levels of that need, but it's there. And I want all of you to be as comfortable connecting with people as possible so that you can share yourself. I've said it many times, but whatever you have is there for a reason. The, your dreams, your goals, your skills, you have something to offer, and it was given to you so you could put it into the world and share it with other people. And that's a social thing. That's, that's a social interaction at its best when we're sharing a bit of ourselves and using it to lift up and empower others. Until next time, much love. My blog post this week is Too Many Flaws to Need Any Vices. I went to the doctor's office the other day the nurse who was checking me in is a very nice woman who I know a little bit. She knows my family. And she's taken me through the standard intake questions. She gets to the little bit about tobacco use, alcohol use, drug use. That always goes something like, how often, or do you use tobacco occasionally, never, blah, blah, blah. I'm never. 
Well, how often do you consume alcohol occasionally? Blah, blah. Never. Don't drink. Do you use drugs, including ABC? No. So, you get to that point in my, I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I, I don't even eat refined sugar, junk food, any of those sorts of things. So, my answers to that part of the little intake is my answers are very simple and kind of boring. And this nurse, knowing me and my family a little bit, good-naturedly sort of ribbed me and kind of laughed and said like, oh, um, I might have to check with your mom and your brothers about this. Basically about like my apparent lack of vices. And I laughed and said something to the effect that... uh, Basically, like, I have enough personal flaws to make up for any vices that I I may not have. And she laughed as well, and we moved on. But I was thinking about that more later, because that really is a part of why I live the lifestyle I live. I don't drink, I eat a very healthy diet, I exercise almost every day, I do a lot of things to try and take care of my physical health and my mental health. And that's not that's not me being negative towards anything else. I, I'm actually I'm all for sucking the marrow out of life in whatever ways, whatever that means to you, enjoying our time here, enjoying the the time we have on this mortal coil. And, <clears throat> excuse me, for a long time, to me, that often meant eating and drinking and being merry. And I don't have a problem with those things. And I certainly don't have a problem with the occasional indulgence. A lot of my lifestyle changes came when I did have some health problems and I decided to alter some things. And the other thing that sort of came out of that with the the physical health problems that I had for really dealt with for a few years came the realization that maybe some of those indulgences, maybe some of those things that I did enjoy weren't bringing me the level of fulfillment and satisfaction that I was really seeking. And I don't expect anyone else to feel the same way as me, but like, for instance, something like basically stopping drinking alcohol. I did that When I got sick and I was having a lot of digestive health problems, a lot of gastrointestinal problems, I was really struggling to eat and consume a lot of different things. So cut out alcohol and that was difficult for me early on because it honestly consuming alcohol, drinking was something that I enjoyed. And going back to talking about social situations, which is our family time topic for this week, 
I enjoyed very much the social aspect of drinking. I enjoyed the social aspect of eating as well. So much of our social social engagements, especially in adulthood, are centered around having a meal and having drinks and those sorts of things. And again, back to the family time topic, that's something I had to deal with when I got sick and it was very difficult to eat most things and couldn't drink and all that sort of stuff, the social aspect was the most difficult, well, one of the most difficult things for me. It was a hard adjustment. I had kind of become reliant on the food and drink aspect of the social engagement. And that was tough. But I found through the journey that, well, for instance, I've been able to add a lot more things back to my diet. And I've gotten to the point where I can eat a pretty well-rounded, very healthy, very clean diet. I really eat closer to how I, I, for myself, think that I should be eating. And I feel strong and I feel well. And I don't have a desire to go back to some of the things, the junk food, the alcohol, those sorts of things. I don't really have a desire. And as I've continued to expand my diet from where I was, sometimes people bring up like, oh, well, you know, you're able to drink yet or something like that. And I really don't know if I'll ever go back to drinking. Not that, and I only say this because... I know a lot of people who have struggled with addiction and I don't want to compare my situation to an addiction problem in that way. I certainly have an addictive personality, which I'll talk more about, but I wasn't reliant upon alcohol in the same way that many people are, but I I certainly enjoyed drinking I certainly enjoyed just the eating junk food like those sorts of things and to me part of eliminating those things was being able to master the things that at different times in my life have at least to some extent mastered me And that goes back to not really needing some of those other things that may be considered vices. And I don't think having the occasional drink or snack or whatever need be considered a vice. All I'm saying is I know I have a lot of personal flaws. I haven't as I mentioned, an addictive personality. I have a lot of compulsive behaviors. And for me, I realized it's better for me to direct those behaviors into things that are beneficial to me in some way, to passion projects and to exercise and to living well and things I find we're really talking about releasing 
chemicals in our brain. We're talking about hitting things like dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. And we, we search those reactions through different things. And for me, I have found I want to use my compulsion, sort of my intense, the intense aspects of my personality to push for things that I want to accomplish and to push for things that are going to hopefully benefit me in some way. In the same ways, when I was younger, I had a very explosive temper. It's something that would manifest itself in unhealthy ways. I would punch things. I would break things. I would yell. And I didn't like myself when I was behaving that way. So I spent a lot of time trying to address that and focusing on my mental health, my emotional awareness, my emotional intelligence, my stress management, all those sorts of things. I think that fire is still inside of me. I'm happy to say I haven't had an explosive emotional outburst like that in a very long time. But I think those things are still there. So I have to be constantly managing them, monitoring them. And I don't like giving up the control over myself. And that may sound restricting but to me it's very freeing that if I can I can master some of these temptations I can master some of the things that may be immediately gratifying in some way I feel a deeper sense of purpose and a deeper sense of pride and that's what it's really all about I want to live with a sense of purpose and that's that's kind of all it boils down to is that like a lot of these other things that I did enjoy were sort of distractions for me. And I don't think they need to be for everybody else. I don't think everybody needs to approach it that way, but I wanted to be able to sort of kill my masters. I wanted to be able to manage the things that were pushing me in different directions and not helping me be the fullest version of myself, of who I wanted to be. So that is really all I'm talking about when I talk about having too many flaws to need any vices. My, my personal flaws just don't need any help. I don't need extra obstacles in the, in the way. I have enough obstacles just myself, and if I can start to get rid of the other obstacles in my path, I can focus on myself. And that's how we find purpose. That's how we find peace. This week's podcast is brought to you by mugs. Yep, that's right. The cups with the handles on them, ceramic or otherwise. I like a good mug. I have a nice little collection of mugs. I'm not I'm not a coffee drinker really. I don't mind coffee. I'll occasionally indulge in a sort of organic cup of coffee, 
more often than not, though, I, if I'm drinking a, say, hot beverage from a mug, it'll be like a chicory root coffee because I don't really dig on caffeine or like a, a Pau d'Arco tea, something like that. But even I just, I'll have a cold beverage out of a mug. I just like having a nice ceramic mug. I don't have a lot of them because I try to keep at least certain aspects of my life fairly minimalistic and I, I just don't have a need for a lot of mugs but sometimes I pick stuff for the podcast that I just uh, I'm kind of reflecting like what are little things that I enjoy in my life and I specifically have three mugs that I really like <laughs> one is a mug that I had made that's got a picture of my parents on them from the first Christmas they spent together. And I just think it's an amazing picture. It's my dad rocking his jet black hair and mustache that has long since turned mostly white. And he's got like a Harley Davidson t-shirt on and just looking pretty pretty cool and my mom's wearing like some kind of two-tone brown 80s jacket in there. <laughs> it's, it's just a great picture and I had found it and thought it was amazing so I got it turned into like a couple different magnet things that could hang on the fridge and into a set of mugs that I gave to my family. So I like that mug. It's just, I just think the picture is great. I have another mug that says, I just used this phrase, uh, that says Kill Your Masters, which is a reference to Run the Jewels, my one of my very favorite musical groups, musical, whatever you want to call it, a hip-hop duo. And I just, I, I love their music, Run the Jewels. I love a lot of their messages. And I just like the idea of sipping a drink from a mug that says kill your masters which to me is sort of a slogan for eliminate the things that have control over us to uh, to get that sense of personal freedom so i like that one and then the other mug that made me think of this i had this mug out and i was just thinking of like what stuff that i like that i could talk about for our fake sponsor this week and my kids got me a mug i I say my kids, I'll give credit to both, but I really think this was my daughter Claire's idea. Uh, it's a very nice sort of handcrafted style ceramic mug or you know, kind of like artisan style where it's maybe has a few little little bumps in the ceramic thing, but that kind of makes it quaint, I guess. But it's a really nice mug. And it says, home is where dad is, which is just nice. I like pretty much anything when my kids get me something. And I like when they just, I like the acknowledgement of being a dad. It's my favorite thing to be. And it's just sort of a sweet sentiment because my kids are from a divorced family. So they spend time in two different households and I, Certainly not a nothing negative towards the other household, but I miss my kids when they're not here. And we have had some interesting living adventures in the sense that when they were young and their mother and I got divorced, I 
moved out of the house that we had shared together. And so the kids and I were, they've been through the process of looking for a house. And then we bought a house and we remodeled that house. And when we're remodeling and it's the three of us, we have some, sometimes we're sleeping all together in one room for a while, redoing stuff. And then we bought a different house that was an old fixer upper house again, that Again, we spent time all sleeping together on the floor in one room together for a while. And they've just, one thing I've always tried to maintain with them is that like, we're a family, we're together. And even though our family dynamic has maybe changed, what it, that's not what is important. The important thing is that like, we have each other and things will be fine. And we've had we've had just many adventures together. So I just, I like the mug that like home is where dad is. And that it's just kind of that feeling of like, wherever our family is, wherever those, that's not just our, the families that we're related to. It's the, the families that we build. Like that is, that's where home is. That's where we feel that sense of love and belonging that we were talking about earlier. We were discussing, discussing social situations. So that's it. Here's two mugs. Now from me to you, this week we discussed a few different things for our good news segment. We just talked about Khalil Roundtree, the professional mixed martial artist, and his message talking about mental health and empowering other people, how important that is. For Family Time 101, we discussed social situations, looking at relationship skills, and just being honest about the things that make us uncomfortable in some social situations that are challenges for us, talking about our social anxieties, and then trying to find some things that help us feel more comfortable in a social situation. I discussed how I have far too many flaws to really need any vices. Not that I don't have any vices. I have many, but a lot of the sort of immediate gratification vices that we often think of, I try to eliminate. I try to push back against because I don't want those things taking me away from the stuff that's really important to me. And then we talked about mugs because mugs can be pretty great. Until next time, check out all the media stuff, I'm continuing to post stuff for Ernest from Earth, my book, and the curriculum that goes along with that that's focused on social emotional needs as well as literacy skills. I didn't post, I don't think, a new audio and video chapter and, and curriculum guide segment last week. We kind of were fighting some sickness in my house. It kind of ran through the house, went through both kids and me and was not feeling very good for a little while. And I wound up with an ear infection, an ear infection that like, man, I don't think I'd had a real bad ear infection since I was a little kid. It was not real enjoyable. I wound up even with a ruptured eardrum, which was kind of an adventure, but needless to say, I'm just fine. It was not a big deal, but, uh, Kind of one of those where it's like, whew, I wasn't uh, wasn't going to record a whole bunch of new stuff and do those sorts of things when I wasn't feeling so well and the kids weren't feeling so well. And well, I'll get back to it now. We'll get something out this week for Ernest from Earth as well. So if you see that, 
check it out, interact with it. As always, you can reach out to me through Luke Nielsen Media on the socials and LukeNielsen.com, LukeNielsenMedia at Gmail, any of those sorts of things. I do love hearing from people. It's great when we can interact a little bit this way. And last week, my daughter Claire guest hosted with me and she really enjoyed that. She is a person who is really interested in and concerned with making the world a better place and trying to put positive things into the world, which is what I'm always trying to do with this stuff. I <laughs> trying to be a little better about just promoting the book because I have a publisher and things like that, but I'm I'm never concerned with likes and follows or book sales or those sorts of things. I just hope, I, I think there's just inherent benefit in trying to put good into the world. And Claire has really gotten locked into that too and she wants to do something with her life that is meaningful and purposeful and she's been talking about being a teacher which i think sometimes a lot of teachers i'll even hear recommend to young people to not go into education and i'm always there's a lot of struggles there's a lot of challenges in education but i'm always like I would have a hard time telling someone to not go into education because I find it so rewarding and so important. And I hope my daughter, I hope both of my children do whatever they want to do with their lives, but they're both sort of considering education right now. And it's something that Clara's talked about quite a bit. And I think that's cool because I, I hope they see what a, what a powerful and rewarding profession it can be. So, with that noted, Claire really enjoyed doing the podcast before, so I think she's probably going to be on the next episode with me as well. I try to find different things that I can really... My kids and I, the three of us, share a lot of different things. I mean, we're always doing stuff, the three of us, together. But especially as my kids get older and their interests diverge a little bit, I continue to try to find ways for me to specifically empower Mickey and Claire's individual desires and passions and to do activities that just the two of that I just share with Claire, that I just share with Mickey, those sorts of things. And we've we found a lot of that. I mean, Mickey and I have, have like our martial arts time, like where we'll go to like a jujitsu class and just our time even driving home after that is time for us to talk and it's fun and and claire she paints my fingernails and that's time for us to talk and i paint her nails and we have discussions but the she's been really getting into kind of the the podcasting and wanting to share some stories and things like that and be involved with trying to put out positive messages so we're gonna try and do a little bit more of that as well Anyway, I have rambled on for long enough this episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. I appreciate your sharing some of your time with me. Until next time, love yourself, love each other, love the fight. Mm -hmm.